Today, uh, we're starting our first uh, series in our sermons about healing and being made whole. And I want to read us uh, our scripture text for today. And that's from uh, Mark chapter 2. Uh, Hear then the word of the Lord. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crown, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat and the man was, li- the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive us, forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that, he would, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in few view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we pray right now that the words and meditation of my heart be pleasing in thy sight. And what is not of you, may we not remember, but what is of you, may we take it to heart and be transformed by your word because you're speaking through your word, Lord. So speak to us, transform us, and make us the person that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. Uh, starting tomorrow, as you know, we as a church are going to start our 40-day fast. And I believe that God is going to do a new thing through our fast. And uh, I'm excited that many of you uh, have decided to join us uh, through our fast, and I hope that you can uh, continue to join us in our fast, either through a meal or some habits that we want to surrender to the Lord. And for this fast, we're focused on being, being whole, made whole through healing. And so the question is, why am I talking about this? Why are we talking about wholeness and healing? It is in some way to realize that even the book of Genesis, because of sin, uh, we have been broken. And sin produces suffering, woundedness, hurt, hardships, and and the list goes on. Uh, There's an old book written by Henry Nouwen, uh, who who taught at Yale and Harvard Divinity School. And this book is called The Wounded Healer. The main arching theme of the book says that we're wounded because of sin. Nolan writes this, nobody escapes being wounded. We're wounded people, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. All of us are wounded individuals, physically, emotionally, mentally, or even spiritually. And part of Jesus' mission coming to this world is to heal the wounds, restore our relationship with ourselves, with our God, and with others. And when, when Jesus sent out his disciples, he wanted them to do the same that he was doing. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verses uh, 7 to 9. Jesus says, as you go, 
proclaimed this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. The reason why Jesus instructed his disciples to do these things was to release people from uh, things that have captivated them, imprisoned them, uh, the hurts, the woundedness, as well as physical uh, ailments. And he sent them out to minister to give them freedom and healing. Henry Nouwen writes in his book this, the main question is not how we can hide our wounds so we don't have to be embarrassed, but how can we put our woundedness in the service of others? When our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing, we have become wounded healers. Jesus is God's wounded healer. Through his wounds, we are healed. Jesus' suffering and death brought joy and life. His humiliation brought glory. His rejection brought a community of love. As followers of Jesus, we can also allow our wounds to bring healing to others. This is the work of Jesus when we, uh, where he brings healing in our lives. He is interested in making us whole. And we too are called to be the Lord's healers. Now in this text, Mark uh, brings a narrative about Jesus doing healing but it's not a regular type of healing, but it is what we call holistic uh, healing. Uh, In this context, Jesus spent, prior coming to Capernaum, Jesus spent uh, several days in the wilderness, in the the wilderness of Galilee, and he arrives in Capernaum, uh, the place where Andrew and uh, Peter, Simon Peter, uh, lives with with his mother-in-law. Uh, So verse 1 says this, A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Now, it's interesting that Mark says that uh, the people heard that he had come home. They're referring to Jesus as uh, Capernaum being his home. But by the way, the scriptures say that Jesus' home is from Bethany, uh, but the people in Capernaum accept Jesus as their own. And also it says a few days later, uh, what is this few days in re- reference to? Uh, Jesus spending the time in uh, Galilee, uh, in the wilderness, but also prior to this incident, <clears throat> Jesus healed the leper and, and he got healed and word got around that he got healed. And so the people are gathering <clears throat> to hear Jesus more at the house of Simon Peter. Uh, and uh, it's crowded. Verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So what's interesting is Jesus has a pattern of uh, encountering the crowds. The first thing he does in the Gospels, he doesn't immediately heal first or does signs and wonders. The first thing he does is he teaches. He teaches, so here's Jesus teaching in the house, and people are crowding in, listening to his preaching, and then, while he's preaching, verse 3, some men came, bring to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Now, apparently, this group of people knew the paralytic. We do not know uh, if they were close friends, if they were uh, the paralytic's caretakers, or if they were their relatives. Uh, the text doesn't say. Uh, but they have heard about Jesus' healing power. And they're coming in faith and hope that this paralytic will be healed. So verse 4, since then they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, 
they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowering the mat, the paralyzed man was lying on. So in the old times, um, roofs were, are not what we imagine. Uh, the roofs were made out of uh, what we call uh, uh, of thick branches and a thick layer of mud plaster. So it was pretty easy to dig through the mud plaster and hoist the uh, paralytic down through the roof. And uh, people were listening to Jesus because there was this tremendous power of his words and attracted a lot of people who wanted to hear more. And so in the midst of his preaching, there's this paralytic that comes down in front of him, uh, laid right in front of him. What does Jesus do? Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus knew that this man who hoisted down the paralytic, along with the paralytic, was full of faith, knowing that he would heal. And it was pleasing. If you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, 6, it says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So when you want healing, the first condition is faith. So it says here, when Jesus saw their faith. Do you believe that Jesus can heal? And, and he knew that they came in faith. And, but what's really interesting is instead of immediately healing the paralytic, uh, what Jesus says is something unusual. He says, son... Your sins are forgiven. Uh, he doesn't go and lay hands. He doesn't say, do you want to be healed? The first phrase he says is, your sins are forgiven. Why did Jesus say this? Um, if you look at this te text, and we want to explore today, the deeper implication behind Jesus saying to this paralytic, your sins are forgiven. And what Jesus is really going after is holistic healing of this paralytic. It wasn't just his paralysis that he wanted to heal. He wanted to also heal his inner soul that, that would make him whole physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Jesus knew there were other things that this paralytic needed for healing. Now, <clears throat> side note, the mind and the body are connected. When you're sick, of course we can be bitter. When you're physically sick, of course you can be angry at your condition. And probably this is what the paralytic uh, experienced. But also, there's other things. The Bible doesn't say specifically what the paralytic did. But I know that this paralytic was living in sin. And Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. And so what we want to do today is look at holistic healing and, and how... Jesus works uh, in healing us and what we need to do to be healed completely. And the first thing we, we see is by him saying your sins are forgiven is that Jesus is going after inner healing. Uh, when Jesus talks about forgiveness of sins, uh, only Jesus knew what the paralytic was going through because he is God and he needed healing from his sins. We need to understand sin Sin causes us to be separated from God. Isaiah 59, 2 says this, But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that you will not hear. So the paralytic 
because of sin, is separated in his relationship with God. And, you know, you and I are created to have a relationship with God. And when we don't have a relationship with God, we're not whole. We're broken. We, we are full of uh, difficult times in our lives. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve. Even in our devotions, you'll read throughout this week about how Adam and Eve sinned against God and how it broke them. And, and also what sin does is it makes us go astray in our relationship with God. It makes us independent and think that we can heal by our own power. Look at Isaiah 53, 6. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. And let's read it together. Each of us had turned to our own way, and the Lord had laid on him the iniquities of us all. Notice here, each of us had turned to our own way. Not only are we separated, we turn to ourselves to solve the solutions of our lives. And often, looking at ourselves to solve the solutions is not always the answer. We cannot assume that we have the answer. We need a greater power the greater power of God working in us. And what Jesus does is he uses the power of words to heal this paralytic. Uh, what you say to a person can wound or uplift. Uh, I myself have experienced the power of words, that it can bring down, it can hurt, it can wound, but also it can lift up. James chapter 3, 9 says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. So cursing and praise does come. And what Jesus says to this paralytic is very compassionate. Notice it's here, son. He uses this word son. Uh, and why is he saying that? The word son here is a way where a parent addresses a child. And, and perhaps the paralytic didn't have a family. Perhaps he was spurned by his parents. But also this word son doesn't only mean about parental relationship, it also means compassion, like a father has compassion on his child. And so when Jesus said, son, your sins are uh, forgiven, what, what he's saying is this, my wonderful, loving person, my child, you're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. The things they're feeling, you're forgiven. And, and, and with these words, and later on, he will heal the paralytic. So there's this power of words. One is to lift up. There's this power of words. It is to express compassion. And through his word, he's going to tell the paralytic a command that will make him healed completely. And so Jesus is working uh, through his words to heal. Uh, but only, not only does Jesus forgive sins, but also use the power of words. He also is going gonna, gonna to demonstrate uh, inner healing uh, comes with forgiveness. That if you want to be completely liberated from your hurts and your wounds, we need inner healing. Uh, and that begins with forgiveness. And this person probably uh, was uh, probably angry, bitter at his condition. Uh, and he had a lot of brokenness and he needed to be made whole. And, and what Jesus wanted him to do was experience forgiveness because forgiveness is a way and in and, and a, and a path to be made whole, to, to be healed completely. I was reading an article in Desert Morning News written by Jay Evanson 
It's about this uh, person, Victoria Ruvolo, who was a 40-year-old collection agency manager and a 19-year-old uh, person by the name of Ryan Cushing. Uh, Cushing and his friends stole a credit card and took off on a shopping spree for no apparent reason. He stole a 20-pound frozen turkey and proceeded to throw it from his speeding vehicle uh, heading into the windshield of the automobile driven by Victoria Ruvolo. And the result was she, she was hurt, had to go to surgery for six hours, had metal plates placed in her face, and pieces of hardware were fitted together uh, to rebuild her face. So this person was caught, and the prosecutor was so abhorred by, by what this individual did. Uh, he was really fixated to punish this individual, to teach him a lesson. In fact, uh, that doesn't even satisfy them. The attorney stated this is what the prosecutor wanted to do. He was just going gung-ho for uh, this person. And uh, what happened in the courtroom was very interesting. Uh, they were, you know, walking in, and then the uh, accused uh, went to her and in genuineness uh, sought for her forgiveness. Now, this is the account uh, of the story. This is only half the story. The rest of it, what happened the day this all played out in court is truly marked part. The young man walked carefully and tentatively to where his victim was seated in the courtroom with tears and in whisper he apologized. I'm so sorry for what I did to you. He and Victoria embraced both weeping she stroked his hair, patted him on the back, and comforted him. It's okay, she said. I just want you to make your life the best it can be. It was reported that hardened prosecutors, even reporters, were choking back tears. And the editor concluded with this. Slowly, humans seem to be learning to understand the power of forgiveness. As a healing agent, it appears to be stronger than any surgery, counseling, or anger management course. Forgiveness is a healing agent. It brings inner healing. And Jesus was uh, right now working in the paralytic's heart by saying your sins are forgiven. He's giving him inner healing. Do you want to be healed? Many of us have been hurt. And Jesus is saying, I want to heal you. I want to give you inner healing. And the one who has that authority to forgive is Jesus. Uh, he is the wounded healer who has the authority to heal wounds. He is the wounded healer who has the authority to forgive us of our sins because he is God. And, and, and the scribes and the teachers didn't understand that. Look at verse 6 and 7. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So why do the teachers of the law say this? Because, because they don't see Jesus as God. Uh, they think he should take the standard protocol of forgiving sins, which is go uh, and offer animal sacrifice into the temple and ask for forgiveness. They fail to realize that Jesus is God and that when we sin, we sin against God. The psalmist wrote this way in Psalms 51. Against you, 
you only have I sinned, and then what is evil in your sight? In your sight. And the scribes do not know that Jesus is God, that he has the authority to forgive. And he's going to demonstrate his authority later on, where he'll die on the cross and resurrect from the dead and to forgive us from our sins so that we can be reunited with God. Uh, they were thinking that Jesus should follow this protocol in the Old Testament. Levit Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourself on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. If you look at this passage alone, what this passage is saying is, if you want forgiveness, you got to sacrifice an animal. But there's a misunderstanding behind this because God never looks at forgiveness by just shedding an animal's uh, skin or, or body. But, but what God looks at is the heart. Look at uh, Psalms 51, 16 and 17. It says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I will bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. What is the psalmist saying? God doesn't just accept the sacrifice as a form of forgiveness. He wants the heart that comes with it. Look at Hosea 6.6. 6, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offering. And so what Jesus is saying is, you know, when he says your sins are forgiven, he's also looking at the heart. It's not just an offering like the scribes uh, think about. And, and Hebrews chapter 9.22 uh, talks about him being the sacrifice for all of our sins by shedding his blood. It says, without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. He will be the ultimate sacrifice not an animal sacrifice that's temporal. He will be the ultimate sacrifice where, his, where he'll cleanse us from sins, from the penalty of sins by dying on the cross. And you don't need to do anymore the shedding of animal's blood anymore. And that's what Jesus is conveying. He's saying, I'm eternal sacrifice for you. Your sins are forgiven. And so how does uh, Jesus explain this further? Now look at verse 8 to 10. It says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit uh, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or say, God, get up, take up your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. And we, we know in verse 11, get up, take up your mat, Go home. Walk and go home. Uh, and, and the way he responds in explaining to the paralytic, uh, in explaining to the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, this concept that he has authority uh, to forgive sins is that indirectly he's saying, I am God and I'll show you how I can do this by demonstrating healing. Uh, and, and what he does is, he says, to show you that I have the authority to forgive, he tells the paralytic, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. Walk and go home. And immediately he does that, and that shows his authority. And in verse 12, people are amazed that he has authority uh, to heal. And part of that authority of healing is a sign to tell us that he is the one 
who has the authority to forgive sins. That's what verse uh, chapter 10 says. Look at verse 10. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, literally in Greek, he says this, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, what, what's interesting here is this phrase, so that, and that's not mentioned in the NIV, uh, this phrase, so that, is in the Greek called a hina clause. It's a particle commonly seen in a form which functions to introduce a purpose clause. It, it, it's often used in Greek to say, this is the reason why. Uh, this is why I do this. So that you may know that I have the authority to forgive sins, he tells to the paralytic, get up, pick up your mat, walk, and go home. And so Jesus has the authority to heal. He has the authority to forgive sins through healing. And Jesus is always interested in making the paralytic whole by first addressing his inner hurt by forgiving of his sins, and then addressing his physical ailment by healing him. And God always wants us to make us whole by healing us. So what is our response? What should be our response? Uh, it's, if you look at this passage very carefully, it begins with faith. Look at uh, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of God. The paralytic and his uh, cohort who brought him there came in faith. They heard about Jesus, what he can do. The paralytic didn't tell the four who were carrying him, please don't. He went forward in faith, and, and he responds in faith because when Jesus tells him, go pick up your, your uh, mat, Paralytic in, in his mind is already assessing, can Jesus heal? Do I believe he will heal? I heard about the lepers who got healed. I heard about stories where people got healed. And what, what he's saying in his heart is, I believe, I trust. And so the next step is trust and obedience. The paralytic was willing to do whatever uh, he was told to do. Uh, in a way, it's like Naaman, uh, he was a general. Uh, during the times of the prophet Elijah, he had leprosy. And he goes to Elijah's home, knocks at the door, and Elijah, instead of meeting him, treating him with royalty, just tells him, go to the River Jordan and wash yourself uh, three times and you'll be healed. And Naaman had a choice to believe this or not to believe this and execute this. Uh, he took the choice to believe and execute this, and he had completely healed from his leprosy. So the paralytic does the same. When Jesus told him, go pick up your mat and go home, get up, pick up your mat and go home, he, based on faith, but also out of trust and obedience, did exactly that. And he was made whole. You know, as I think about this narrative, this story about the paralytic being made whole, I think about us being made whole during this period. And my prayer is that you will be made whole. You know, uh, I feel like I'm Augustine sharing with you uh, my private life, how God has been working in my life and what I'm planning to do during this 40-day fast. Um, my wife once asked, asked me, how would you or what would you summarize your childhood to be? And my one word 
was trauma. Uh, I remember at the age of three, uh, my father leaving us to come to the States. And then my mother leaving us uh, a couple years later. And we felt this experience of abandonment, me and my siblings. And then we suffered abuse in that uh, while we were staying in our grandparents' house, uh, for some reason, they malnourished us. Uh, whenever I look at my passport picture when I was seven, uh, I get traumatized because I was so skinny, because we were starved in many ways. And five of us uh, were yearning for food. Maybe that's the reason why I love food so much. Uh, and um, one day, my older sibling uh, went into the kitchen and stole some food so we could eat because we were so hungry. And all five of us were eating. In the middle of our eating, uh, my grandparents came. And my grandfather, I remember very vividly well, all of us had to line up uh, uh, and uh, be in a straight line side by side with each other and lift up our uh, trousers so he can hit our uh, legs with a long stick. And I remember being at age five being hit by that and it was so traumatizing. And then witnessing animal abuse, uh, we had this dog. I never liked this dog. I hated this dog because it was trained to be mean toward us. I remember walking one day uh, vividly coming into the house, this dog would chase us and uh, would be scared of dogs. But I also witnessed uh, my grandfather starving this dog and killing it and participating in taking out his fur to eat the dog. It was miserable. It was what I call trauma. And after one and a half years of enduring this kind of abuse in, and hardships in my grandparents' place, my brother, by the grace of God, back then we didn't have internet, we didn't have phones, uh, sent a snail mail to my parents who received this letter uh, when they found out, they were horrified, and immediately they saved money to bring us back to the States. Come to uh, U.S. where I'm the only uh, Asian in my elementary school. Uh, didn't know a single word of English, uh, being a first grader. Traumatized again. Uh, one day walking back to home, uh, this uh, white kid started chasing me and wanting to avoid them. I crossed the street and was hit by a car, broke my leg, uh, three ribs, uh, had a fracture on my head. And this period was a period of hardships at age seven. Uh, I lived in the hospital for three months, uh, being treated for my ailment. I was told uh, by my parents that I would be a cripple for the rest of my life. And my father uh, and mother prayed for me that I would be healed. And a couple months later, by a miracle of God, uh, my legs were healing in a right way, where I didn't have to be a handicapped person. And then at the age of 12, I accepted Jesus into my heart, and I thought, all this trauma, all the difficulties that uh, I've experienced will be over. And in fact, I suppressed uh, my hardships. Impressed. In fact, I suppressed my uh, difficulties in life. But something was wrong. Uh, in, in the midst of my self-denial, uh, I had these spurts of anger that would come, uh, very uncontrollable. And I didn't know why I had these spurts of anger. And this translated in my relationship uh, with my children. 
how I realized, uh, I should have realized this long time ago, but how I realized uh, later on in my own life, how traumatizing I could have been, I, I was to my children. You know, there's this phrase, people who are hurt will hurt others. And I realized that during last year, 2020, um, of course, last year and this year is still difficult because of COVID-19. But being together with my uh, three out of four children at the same place, it was a process of healing where God was revealing to me to admit what I did was wrong, seek reconciliation, where the Holy Spirit was healing my inner soul. And you know what? Uh, this is part of uh, the Holy Spirit working in convicting us about the hurts we have experienced. And I realized last year that God wants to make me whole as well as my family. And as I think about the things I did to my children, uh, I come to really regret. And I'm praying that they will be healed from their hurts and woundedness as God is working my heart. I began to realize the anger I had toward my grandparents and my uncle and some of my aunts was really deeply rooted anger toward them. That's why I was angry. And I had these spurts of anger coming out. And God has been challenging me through this 40-day fast, actually, to be made whole. And, and my prayer is, I can do it on my own, but I need the power of God. And when Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven, it's very personal to me. Because I too, not have been victimized, but, but been also a person who victimized my children and other people along the way in my life. And I too realize how traumatic this can be in their own lives. And so when Jesus offers this uh, this forgiveness. When I was reading this verse, sons, your sins are forgiven. My heart was crumbling with tears. My heart was feeling, you mean you'll forgive me? Yes, by the grace of God. And I do hope and continue that God will heal my children and that God will also uh, work in their lives and their relationship with me so we can forgive one another. And this is what I'm asking you to do as as uh, even though it's very uncomfortable to share about my private life, I'm sharing this with you because we're all wounded people and we need to get real with God. And, and I want to just encourage you to come before the Lord and be healed. He wants us to make us whole. And throughout this uh, 40 days as you're fasting, let the Lord examine you. Let the Lord reveal to you. Let the Lord bring forth healing in your own lives, not just inner, but also some of you who are physically sick. I believe God will heal you. God is looking for a holistic healing. Your emotions, your spiritual, your, your physical, your mental, all of that God is looking to heal us completely. Do you want to be healed? Jesus says, get up. Pick up your mat. Go home. He wants to take us home. He wants to take away the woundedness. He wants to take away our hardships. 
and he wants to heal us completely because he wants to make us whole in him.